so great to be here with you this morning. Uh, that being the week before Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas, last Sunday of Advent, uh, I got up super early this morning. I didn't know why. Have you ever had one of those moments where you get up earlier than you want to and you look at the clock and think, please let me go back to sleep? Uh, that was one of those mornings, but I couldn't, couldn't wait to get here with you and to celebrate this last Sunday of Advent. We've been looking at the gifts that Christ brought with him. Uh, the gifts of love and joy and hope. And this morning, we're going to look at peace as we lit the, the candle of peace this morning. Uh, and, and I just get excited about what the this, this season means for us. As we've been looking through the series on Advent, we've been remembering that first Christmas. And as we remember that first Christmas, really allowing the memories of that first Christmas to allow this Christmas to be a Christmas to remember. A Christmas to remember, and I'm excited about being able to gather here on Wednesday night for Christmas Eve service, and then, of course, on Saturday, Christmas Eve for Christmas Eve services. And I love the Wednesday service in this way, that, that when we first started these, um, we, we originally started it as a um, preview service, sort of people were coming out, and we thought a few people would show out, and we'd sort of go through it and see how the service went, and it became our second largest service of the Christmas Eve services. I also like it because it became a service where you could ask people to come out at Christmas Eve and they would say, well, we're, we have family stuff on Christmas Eve. And we go, oh, that's great. We have one on Wednesday night too. Uh, why don't you come check that out? And many have, many have come. And so uh, I saw a stat the other day that said in our country, nearly 90% of people would come to church if they were just asked. And, and I just wonder if, if we shouldn't do some asking this week. Uh, just a thought, just a thought. Didn't mean to meddle too much. But this morning, I, I want to look at a particular group of people in the Christmas account that, that played a, a pretty significant role, and that's the shepherds. Uh, when I was in high school, our, our church put on a Christmas production, and I, uh, they needed people. And so I came out for one of the shepherd roles. And I picked the shepherd role because it had no speaking parts. In fact, it was one of the easiest roles of the whole entire thing. All we had to do was walk out, a crew of us, and we stood before the Christ child, then we walked off stage. That was all we did. And if in my illustrious acting career, if that was the only understanding I had of the shepherds, I'd be greatly mistaken because they played a much more significant role than just sort of coming and standing on stage and then heading off back into the field. The shepherds played an amazing role. In fact, these were ordinary people doing an ordinary job, and God does something which really can only be described as quite miraculous. Their account is, is found in Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 8, but listen to how the account begins. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. The shepherds, the spe shepherds spoken of here had, had a very specific purpose in Israel. Uh, they're outside in these fields and outside of Bethlehem and due to the proximity of, of Jerusalem, um, some scholars have suggested that the flocks were, were, they were keeping were used for sacrifices we don't know if that's true, but it's possible. I can remember uh, standing in those exact fields and it was dusk and looking out and you could actually see the lights of Jerusalem. It was so close to, to Bethlehem. Uh, but what we do know is that they really did um, have a significant role in, in, the, in Israel as shepherds. And yet, when we look at older documents, we found that they, they really were looked down upon. In fact, they were kept from participating in religious activities because what they did was considered unclean and yet necessary for worship. It doesn't make much sense, but it shows the legalism that began to really just really grow and, and maybe come to its pinnacle really during the time of Christ. This legalism that would say your shepherds are necessary for, for what we do in worship, but they can't participate in worship because of what they do. 
The shepherds served this major role. So they provided sheep for, for worship. They provided food, right? The sheep to eat, to wool clothing, uh, other much needed goods. And yet they weren't respected at all, especially by the religious elite. The religious elite really looked down upon them. And so we're introduced to these shepherds who are, who are keeping their flocks by night. These, these lowly shepherds, as some of the songs will sort of describe them, the, these ordinary shepherds. And then we read in verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. We, we read this account, uh, and, and we, we read other accounts like it in the Bible, account after account, where God shows his glory in, this, in a spectacular way, uh, many times by the appearance of an angel, and, and, and they're afraid when they find this. When an angel appears, they, there's this fear. And I mean, go figure. I, I, would have, I would guess that if any of us were in the field at night and an angel appeared out of nowhere, we would be a little bit afraid. And if not, there's probably something really wrong with us. But this was the angels, uh, the, the angels' appearance and, and the shepherd's response. In fact, in verses 10 through 12, it says, and the angel said to them, fear not. <laughs> I love that. Fear not, for if behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The angel, fear not. Yeah, right. And the angel continues, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. That's an interesting phrase, good news. Luke, who who writes this gospel, Luke the historian, he writes the the gospel of Luke as well as Acts, knew very well that when the original readers would have have read this, those within the Greco-Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, but this Greco-Roman world would have known that that term good news that obviously the angels are using for the proclamation of God's salvation was the same exact statement that the, the emperor caught, cult used in, in reference to the celebration of the emperor's birthday. So the same exact terminology. The angel says good news, and that exact phrase is used by this emperor cult to celebrate the, the emperor's birthday. In fact, the emperor was hailed as Savior and Lord. I don't think it's a coincidence that when God has the angel proclaim to the shepherds that here is the good news, the real good news, and the genuine Savior and Lord, that he uses a similar language. Because I, I believe that if, if Luke was to write uh, the story today, he would write it so that we would understand uh, what he wanted the original readers to understand. And that's this, that there's really only one good news. There's really only one good news. We may try to look at it elsewhere, look for it elsewhere, but there's really only one. And we may try to look for a Savior and Lord elsewhere, uh, especially a Savior in this day and age, but there's only one Savior. There's only one Lord. And so it seems that God intends for us to receive this proclamation of the angel as good news because of God's salvation, that he brought this this amazing message to us in this this birth of the actual Savior and Lord. Think about it. Jesus, God's son, is not born in a palace but in a stable, which really makes him stand out so much different than the emperor. The king of kings, born in such lowly means, and yet the one born in a stable would bring salvation. He's the genuine savior and lord of the world. What happens next is extraordinary. Look at verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. 
Now, Luke doesn't tell us what the shepherd's reaction is to this angelic choir, but I, put yourself in their shoes. If one scared them, my guess is they're probably not over that yet when this angelic choir appears and starts to sing and proclaim these things. I mean, all they were doing was their job and all this is happening. It's, it's an amazing picture. And this angelic choir contrasted the choir that would have sang praises to the emperor. We can't overlook this, that, 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 that God is, is speaking to these ordinary shepherds, but he's, he's doing it in this extraordinary way that, that totally goes against the false worship of, of an emperor. In fact, consider this. The current emperor, Augustus, was praised for being the one who inaugurated world peace. Like they believe he brought in world peace. I mean, it's the Roman Empire, not a very peaceful place. But it was not true peace. Only the Lord brings true peace. In fact, if you were to ask most people what peace is in the world, they would say that peace is, is the absence of conflict. And, and, and the reality is that there's not ever going to be an absence of conflict, at least for any length of time on this side of paradise. So the peace that God brings is, is quite different from what the world expects. It's a peace in a person's heart. The angel told the shepherds that it was genuine peace that was to come. And it's really all spoken and in just the name of, of the baby to be born. His name's Jesus. Jesus is a very common name during that time. Very common. And, and the name Jesus means the Lord is salvation. I want you to think about that for a minute. Anytime we use the name Jesus whether we're reading it in scripture or speaking it in church or sharing it with somebody else, when we say Jesus, we're literally saying the Lord is salvation. Isn't that remarkable? It's all in the name. In fact, the angels use three names to describe Christ. The first is Savior, which is a Hebrew name, which means rescuer. Savior, rescuer. The second name they use is Christ, and Christ is a Greek name. It means the anointed one or the chosen one. And the third name that they use is Lord. And Lord is a word that was used in the, in the Greek Hebrew community to express God. In fact, in the Greek Old Testament, when you were to see the name of God, it was, it was this Greek word for Lord. And so it's amazing. The, the angels speak of the one to come as Jesus, the, the Lord of salvation. He's, he's a savior. He's our rescuer. He's, he's Christ. He's the chosen one. He's the anointed one. He's Lord. He's God himself. So what was the point of the angel's proclamation? True peace can only be found in Jesus, who is Savior, the Anointed One, and God himself. And God tells the shepherds the meaning of the, the most significant historical event through this angelic choir. The, the very meaning of peace is, is that Jesus' birth brings peace. And this peace is, is also an amazing term that's used by Luke, that was used by the angels. This word for peace is shalom peace. And shalom peace really is, is, is a blessed fullness. I love that. Think about it for a minute. That peace isn't the absence of something, even conflict. It's the presence of something. Completeness, fullness. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, we all, if we were to be honest, have gone on wild journeys. We've done some things that we probably even regret to find fullness in our life. 
We've sought salvation in all the wrong places maybe and we certainly have bowed our knees to things we shouldn't bow our knees to just hoping, just hoping that it would give us a moment of peace. And the angels proclaim, no, 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 there's only one who can bring peace. There's only one who can bring blessed fullness and that's Jesus. In fact, the message from the angels to the shepherds and through them to us is that the peace Christ brings is this blessed fullness. The peace Christ brings is so different from the world's understanding of peace. The peace Christ brings is is not, again, the absence of conflict. It, it, It exists within the midst of conflict. It's peace with God and within our very own hearts. What's important to note is, is what the angels say about that peace. It's available to everyone, but not everyone possesses it. And again, we got to go to, to the inspiration of God. When, when, when God inspires Luke to record the, this message from the angels, he, he uses a very specific word here. He says, I bring you good news. The angels say this. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And the word that we, that we read that Luke uses here is a Greek word that, that we, for all the people, that we get the word laity from. How many of you have heard the word laity? So many times when we use the word laity, it's a category, right? You have the pastors and then you have the laity, and yet it was never originally used that way. That the word laity originally in the Greek gave us this understanding of, of referencing all of the people of God. All the people of God. So, so, so think about it within the context of the verse. Followers of Christ as people are being spoken of here by the angels. That they're the all the people that they're talking about. So the, the peace of Christ is available to everyone, but it's only only a part of the lives of those who are God's people. Therefore, the peace of God brings is available to everyone, but is only possessed by people who receive Christ as Savior and Lord, who, who bring God glory. I mean, it's just spectacular. Not only the way that the, that the shepherds hear the news, I mean, that's, an, that's a God original, right? An angel coming out of nowhere. Don't be afraid. I've got good news for you. And this good news is really good news, not the good news that, that your world believes and, and seeks for, not, not, not. It's, 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 it's good news from God. It's true good news. It, it's, a, it's about a Savior and Lord, not the Savior and Lord that, that your culture thinks is this, this emperor who's brought about peace that's not peace. It's genuine peace from God. That, that all who choose, everyone who chooses to receive Christ as Lord and Savior can possess a peace that, that doesn't speak of the absence of conflict because there will be no absence of conflict this side of paradise. That's going to come when Jesus returns. Praise the Lord, by the way. In fact, I've read the end of the book. This, this doesn't last forever. I, I, spoiler alert. And, and I love knowing that end because it gives me confidence to live my today. But it's peace in the midst of conflict because the, the Lord and Savior is a part of our life and he's a genuine Lord and Savior. It's an amazing message. And the angels give the requirements of this peace. He says, when we give glory to God in the highest, receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord, he fills us with this peace, a blessed fullness that only he can provide and which our hearts all long for. This is the message God delivers to the shepherds through the angels. The, the social outcast receive the good news, not the diplomats, not the religious elite, not the people who look down at the shepherds, but the ones they look down upon are the ones who receive this amazing news. 
They don't just receive it, they proclaim it. Look at the rest of our passage, Luke 2, 15 through 18. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, by the way, they they probably are leaving the sheep in the fields, which would have been quite an extraordinary thing. And heading into Bethlehem, they probably didn't take the sheep into that small town. They just leave. They they say, God shared this with us. Let's go. Verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. You can picture it, right? The shepherds heading into Bethlehem. And the reality of it is, as they're heading into Bethlehem, they're probably looking at the stables, which are really outside of the town. And as they're going to these stables that we usually depict as sort of our Western stables made out of wood, but they were probably caves, actually. And as they're going from these stables, caves, one after another, they're looking for one that has a baby in it. I mean, that'd be quite unique, right? Oh, no, this one just has a donkey. Oh, this one has a... I found the one with the baby. Get over here. And they finally come to the stable where the Christ child is. And we don't know exactly what they do. We can assume they worshiped. Quiet reverence. But what we know is what happened immediately afterwards. They leave the Christ child and they can't help but share what they've seen, what they've been told, what they've experienced to those around them. Now what's interesting about shepherds is that in the day of Christ, but not only were they not expected, but like in a court of law, their word was not acceptable. So like if you were in trouble and the only person who who saw something that could get you out of trouble was a shepherd, you weren't out of trouble. You were still in trouble. No one was going to believe their word. And so God says, hmm, his divine plan. I'm going to pick the lowliness of the low, the one who the religious elite look down upon, even though they're necessary for worship. And I'm going to make among the first to share this good news with others, those with whom many wouldn't even listen to their word. And that's why people are probably wondering. They're probably wondering. They're saying, first of all, this is supposed to be just an ordinary night. We know it as the night Christ was born. Everyone else just knew it as a night. And the shepherds are leaving saying, this is what God told us. This is what we found. We, we don't have the story from Luke, but we can only imagine, wouldn't you go and try to see if the Christ child was really there? Think of the buzz in Bethlehem, not a large town. As people start to say, look, there is a baby in a stable. The shepherds were right. And it says they made this known as they're heading back out to the field, probably hoping their sheep are still there. So the shepherds aren't only spectators of Christ's birth, but evangelists telling others what they've heard and seen. See, there's something quite profound about those who possess the peace of God in their life. There's something quite profound about those who have really experienced salvation in Christ, that those who receive God's peace in Christ can't help but share the good news with others. Have you found that to be true? I mean, I find myself in situations where, where people will ask me questions, you know, even out and about, you know, and, and as you're talking with them, and, and, and especially if they're asking for advice, how, how can you not share the good news with them? How can, you, how can you not share the hope of Christ with them? 
I've shared many times, I, 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 I sort of don't want to share it anymore because I'm afraid that it's, it's, at some point it's going to change, but it hasn't for, for nearly now many, well, I was going to say how many years, but it's none of your business. For many, many years uh, since I've been walking with Christ, uh, if, you know, I've said to somebody, you know, can I pray for you? And, and I've never once ever had someone say no. I've had people say to me, I don't believe in Jesus, but sure, you can pray for me. <laughs> so I do. <laughs> Now, what freaks them out is I actually do, like right there. <laughs> That's a little freaky maybe for them. But if I'm asking and they say, yes, let's do it. Let's do it now. So see, the lesson God has for us is, is here is quite, quite amazing. That we need to be at peace with God. That that's really where the peace begins. It's interesting how many of us probably try to do that backwards and realize it doesn't work. God, give me peace and then I'll serve you. No, no, no. Walk in faith and see if I won't give you peace. I think of our brothers and sisters in Christ in parts of the world where they're being persecuted and what's amazing to me as I hear their stories is the peace they have in the midst of it. I have a confession to make. I'm very careful. I, I, try, I don't think I have, but I, I really don't want to ever say I've been persecuted up to this point because I haven't. I've been inconvenienced as a believer in the United States, but never persecuted. They've been persecuted. And their peace, for some reason, God just uses it to, to, to give me peace. If they can have peace, why wouldn't I? So we'd understand that true peace can only be found in Jesus, the Savior, the anointed one, God himself. And, and you might be running because you're afraid. And I just want you to, to hear the word of the angel. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Stop running. In fact, you don't need to run to God. Just stop running and let him run to you. Let him meet you where you're at. See, God has dealt with our sin. His, his grace is sufficient. His love is, is, is profound. We can come to him and receive peace. The peace Christ brings is his blessed fullness, his completeness that only he can bring. And, and when we're in a right relationship with him, we, we can come home to where we belong. Come home to where we belong. I was joking with a friend right before this service. We were talking about our kids getting older and having lives of their own. And I said, who do they dare be to have lives of their own? After all, they wouldn't be here if it weren't for us. Amen. <laughs> that wasn't a child speaking. But here's the beautiful thing of God. We can come home to him wherever we're at. Like we don't have to go anywhere. He does all the heavy lifting. In fact, one of the beauties of, of the gospel story is, is the fact that God came to us. You've heard me say over and over again, because it's one of my favorite lines from the message that, that speaks of, the, of Christ's coming. It says he moved into our neighborhood, so to speak. He came to us. God loves us so much. It's not about us reaching God. It's about the fact that God has reached to us and, and we must choose then. God's peace is available to all, but only possessed by people who receive Christ as Lord and Savior, bringing him glory. Here, here's the amazing thing. Whatever we've done, we can come home. We can be reconciled with God. And those who are reconciled to God share the good news with others and, and they become really everyday missionaries in their everyday mission field. And I think sometimes we make life so much more complicated than it needs to be. Is anyone out there like me and, and finds themselves trying to make life more complicated than it needs to be? I think sometimes when we talk about sharing the good news, we, we think that we've got to go to another continent and maybe God will call you to do that. And if he does, great. And we'll support you as a church family. But do you know where it begins? It begins being an everyday missionary in the place where you live. 
where you work, where you go to school, where you play. Sharing his love. Being an ambassador of his peace. Allowing what God is doing in you to to spill out to those around you. Truth be told, those who receive God's peace in Christ can't help but share the good news with others. It just pours out of us. And I believe the shepherds were never the same after coming to Jesus. I think these events changed their lives forever. And so I ask you this morning, how does the good news change yours? If you believe the message the angels shared, you really can never be the same. So how are we to respond? Well, we receive Christ. We, 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 we receive his peace. We, we share the good news with others. I was trying to think of a way of ending this message and I was trying to say, okay, pick one story of people who I've seen over the past years who have come to Christ and the change in their life. And I've got to be honest, as I was sharing, I thought, well, I'll share that one, I'll share that one, I'll share that one. I couldn't pick one. And my guess is this morning, if we had an opportunity to go around the room and share the difference that God has made in our life, that, that all of us who are in Christ could say, man, I'm a different person today because of Jesus. It's not a, a mere philosophy. It's a relationship with the living God that changes not just our destiny, but thank God it changes our destiny for eternity. Amen, church? Come on, if that didn't excite you, I don't know what will. But it changes how we walk. It changes how we talk. It changes everything. Everything. So where are you with Christ? Have you received him as Lord and Savior? And if not, I just encourage you, whether you're on the campus or watching online, why not at this moment? Say yes to Jesus. Coming home doesn't mean you need to run to him. It's just stop running and let him run to you. Let him run to you. The God who left the glory of heaven and took upon his divinity, humanity, to be born in a stable, to die on the cross for our sins, be resurrected, preparing a home for us and promises to come back to take us there. Doesn't need you to take any step whatsoever except to stop running and say yes to him. And he'll do all the heavy lifting from there. The leading, the guiding, the protecting, the strengthening, the filling us with peace. And so I ask you, are you growing in him if you're in him? Are you filled with his peace? And whatever the spirit of God is asking you, whatever that next step is, he's leading you at this moment. Won't you take it with him? Won't you take it with him? I'm glad that the story didn't stop with the angels disappearing and the shepherds just looking at each other and going, that was weird. They had to respond. They had to go and... and See Christ face to face. We don't have to go anywhere. He's here. But we do have to choose. Won't you choose him this morning? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for offering us genuine peace. We understand that peace isn't the absence of conflict, but but this blessed fullness amidst all the circumstances of life and I pray, Father God, that if there's anyone, whether it be on this campus or watching online, who's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, but even now in the quietness of their heart, at this moment, they would stop running, that they would allow you to, to run to them, that they'd say yes to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins, being resurrected for our salvation, for giving us life in you, 
for giving us strength in you, for allowing the resources of heaven to be at our disposal as your children. And yes, Lord God, to be filled with your peace. This peace, Lord God, that's found only as we receive you, Lord Jesus, as Lord and Savior. It's available to everyone, but only received by those who receive you. And for those of us who know you, who have experienced this peace, certainly in part on this side of paradise, and we will in the fullness when you return. But Lord God, for those of us who have experienced this peace, would you empower us to share the good news with others? Simply stated, Father, as you've blessed this time of gathering, would you bless us as we scatter throughout this region to share your good news with others? Would you use us, Lord God, to just invite people to be a part of what you're doing here? That, they, that Lord God, maybe this week someone would come because of an invitation and that they too would receive the greatest Christmas gift of all and that's life in Jesus Christ. Lord, may we give more than just lip service to this. May our lives demonstrate it by the power of your spirit. And as you meet with us ordinary people, would you do something that only you can do and use us in extraordinary ways? Thank you for loving us so completely and filling us so, so amazingly with the peace that only can be found in you. We give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen.